Hello friends, it is so good to be with you. I arrived earlier this evening and had the opportunity to experience the drive through light show. Listen, if you've not come out for this yet, you need to. It's incredibly, incredibly impressive. You know, I've had the chance to be with and work with churches all across the country in my work with Slingshot Group. And I want you to know something. The team here at Northgate is like top tier. Like there are a few teams that can pull together what this one has done. It's, it's really easy to kind of take that for granted. So I want to do something right here at the top. I want us to just pause for a minute and give this staff a, a little bit of love. I mean, like in the comments, all over social media, they have cared for this community incredibly well. Difficult to do on a regular year, much less in 2020. This is going to be hard to believe, but Christmas is in five short days. Let that sink in for a minute. Five days. Now, here's what I've started to realize is that most of you, when you hear that, you fall in one of three categories. Category number one is you hear five days, like no problem. We've got this on lockdown. I've already ordered everything. In fact, everything has already been wrapped. It's under the tree. No issues at all. If that's you, amazing. I salute you. Maybe you're number two. The lights are up. The tree is up. Most things have been ordered, but there's still a lot of work to be done. And if that is you, I am one of you. There's option number three, though. Option number three is that the moment you heard me say five days, you immediately grabbed your phone to order all of the last-minute gifts that you have neglected this entire time. And if that is you, no shame, I have been you, but let's get it together, okay? It is on this fifth day from Christmas that we wrap up our Wreck the Halls series. Now in this series, we've been looking at how easy it is to allow our expectations for what should happen, keep us from experiencing the beauty of what is right in front of us. I was taught a phrase many years ago, The phrase goes like this, disappointment comes when expectations aren't met. I'm sure you've had that moment where you thought things were going to go one way, but it just went the other. Maybe it was that time that you realized that your parents weren't actually superhuman. Or when you landed the dream job, but wound up hating it. I'm sure we can all agree that 2020 didn't quite measure up to the expectations that we all had? My question is this. What do we do when our disappointment says more about our expectations than it does the outcome that we've experienced? This week, I want to introduce you to a group of people who left behind everything to follow a star and meet a king, only to find a a carpenter's son in a stable. We find their story in Matthew chapter 2. And so let's go ahead and read this together, starting in verse number 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. 
When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and saw the star when it had rose and went ahead of them until they stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. I mean, what a wild story, right? Now, before we go any further, a few pieces of housekeeping that we need to really lean into before we uh, go any more into the message. We need to know that each of the Gospels really had a specific audience in mind. You know, Luke wrote to the everyday person, so he included shepherds in his account. Matthew, see, Matthew wrote to the Gentiles, basically everyone who is not Jewish. And he wanted to highlight that God became man for the whole world. So he hones in on these magi, men believed to be from Persia, and he describes their unique experience of Jesus' birth. I think that we also need to understand a little bit about who the Magi are. Maybe you've heard them described as the wise men. Sometimes we hear the three wise men based on the three gifts they brought. They were believed to be wealthy and well-respected in their home countries. They were priests and astrologers, so they would notice if a star was suddenly out of place. I imagine the Magi, under the night sky, going over their star charts when one of them says that one. That's the one that wasn't there before. And they recall a prophecy about the birth of the King of the Jews. One of them says, you know what we should do? We should follow it. We should follow it and see this King for ourselves. And they actually do something crazy. They go. They load their horses and their camel and, and leave everything that they know for the promise of a king. Now, every year around this time, I like to read the poem, The Journey of the Magi by uh, T.S. Eliot. And, and I'm not going to read the poem to you today, but I would highly encourage you to check it out when you get a chance. You see, it wasn't until reading this, um, this poem that the Magi really came to life for me. Eliot opens up his poem describing how cold each step would have been for them along the way. How they longed to be home where it was comfortable. See, the journey of the Magi, that would have been incredibly difficult. They went hundreds and hundreds of miles from Persia to Bethlehem. 
through the heat of the day and the cold of the night, sleeping in the dirt and fearing for their lives when they entered what Elliot calls unfriendly towns. And yet they pressed on. You know, for most of us, the, the Magi are nothing more than well-dressed side characters in Jesus' birth. We depict them in our nativities, in our Christmas plays, like arriving to the manger where Jesus lay in regal robes with not so much as a wrinkle. The reality was likely pretty different than that. I would bet that their clothing was tattered and torn, that they were desperate for a drink of water to quench their thirst and, and in need of a place to tend to their blisters and their wounds. I am forced to ask myself, if I would have had the same driving belief that something life-changing was ahead and that the journey would be worth every excruciating step. If we're honest, how many of us would have just turned around to go back home where we knew what was happening, where everything was comfortable, where we were respected the moment things became difficult? I'll raise my hand. That would come to my mind. Not the Magi. Not when they became uncomfortable. Not when they feared for their lives. And not even when they realized that the king they were expecting looked nothing like what they expected. Laying in a manger, surrounded by humble shepherds and their animals. Imagine their confusion. Imagine their disappointment. What I love about the Magi is that they don't simply turn around and head home when they realize this. Rather, they go in and they worship Jesus, giving him gifts that were fit for a king. And their encounter with Jesus, it wrecks everything. They disobeyed Herod, so they've lost any favor they once had with him. Their entire belief structure has been challenged, and so they return home different people than they were before they left. You, you gotta wonder what that homecoming was like. Isn't it funny how encountering Jesus does that? How it seems to just dismantle and, and recalibrate our expectations. We expect that becoming a Christ follower will be as easy as stepping out and following a star only to realize that every step cost something. That friend who no longer wants to be in a relationship with you because you become a Jesus freak. That business partner who just kinda seems to skirt the ethical lines. The comfort and ease of not needing to worry about or, or care for our neighbor. That's gone. Or the expectation that all of our problems will magically disappear only to realize they're right there where we left them. See, this causes me to ask myself a question and I will ask it of you. Where are you in need of your life being wrecked today? As we right-size our expectations for what it means to have Jesus in our lives, we understand that the journey was never intended to be easy but it was intended to be meaningful and life-changing. 
It was intended to wreck everything, uh, to tear down our misconceptions and to challenge our lifestyle, to make us more like Him. During this Christmas season, I want to invite you to learn from the Magi. Learn that the journey we may be on might wind up far different than we had ever expected. And we will need to confront our fears, confront our expectations, and embrace the reality of who Jesus is. Not a ruler, not a political party, not a general leading us into battle, and not a servant who gives us everything we ask for. But he is God becoming man to take on our sin, to take on our worries and our shame, to connect us to something far bigger than ourselves, something bigger than we could ever imagine. See, the journey with Jesus has the power to wreck everything for the better. Will you pray with me? Father, praise you for what you're doing in this community the way that you're moving in and through Northgate and everyone who is associated. God, we pray that you will do big and unimaginable things in this season. In the midst of the confusion of 2020 and as we enter a, a new year that, that proves, or will likely prove to be just as confusing, God, I pray that you will move, that you will teach us the way that you want us to journey with you, that our expectations will move more toward you. Father, we love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.